Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Just in case. There you go. Can you hear me? But we're not going to need him because everything is going to work good. All right. My name is Pastor Eric Delgado. I am blessed and honored to be the youth pastor here at Faith Family Church. We are 116 Youth Group. The future, the future of the, the Christian movement here in South Florida. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to... Uh, be a part of one of my services before, I need you guys to wake up, all right? I need some hooting and hollering. I need some love. Uh, I want some energy in this room, all right? This is God's house. And if you're one of those people, I remember when I, when I was first started going to church and, and uh, I'd come in and I was super pumped and I'm ready and I'm excited to have a message and, and I was like, man, Pastor Mike's message is going to be awesome. And I go in and it was a guest speaker and I was like, oh, man, don't be like that. Especially today, don't be like that, because it's not always about the, first you're going to hurt my feelings, but it's not always about the messenger, it's about the message, right? And uh, one thing I, I love about being part of this church is that um, we're, we're a very diverse pastoral staff, um, Pastor Chris, Pastor Donna, Pastor Rachel, Pastor Mike, myself, what's up, Peter? Um, I, I think we're very diverse, but we all bring something to the table, so um, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer because God knows I need it. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you for the service today, Father. We ask that your Holy Spirit is moving in this congregation today, Father, that people's hearts and minds are open, ready to receive, and that they are lightened and better when they leave than when they came in. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. That's the kind of energy I'm talking about. All right, so what we're going to do is we have a video that we're going to show first, and I didn't run it through Pastor Mike. This is when he starts sweating. I do want to apologize. It is a tad graphic. What you're going to see up there, you might not, you might not be able to get out of your mind. But uh, Nick, do you have the video ready? All right, here we go. Run the video. So when people ask us, Chris, what we did the morning of the hurricane, we're going to say we drove this bad boy into the eye. how we do you so the graphic nature of that was me not with a beard man I, I looked at that and I'm like I can't show that for everybody who's been here long enough to see me without a beard I don't remember what I look like without a beard and I'm like man that is not a good thing um, so uh, my mom probably remembers that day uh, she was not happy but um, so Chris and I who left because I didn't think you want to be part of this but uh so Pastor Chris and I, uh, Hurricane Matthew, October 2016, does anybody remember that? Uh, no, no, that was not. But the, the hurricane, it was a Category 5 hurricane, was coming across, went over, key, went over the Keys, and was coming up the East Coast. Uh, long story short, uh, Chris needed to take his boat to Ala Mirada because there was nowhere to dock it, 
and he asked me to go with him. <laughs> and I said, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know why. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, you know, we're going to, I got to drive the boat to Miami. I was like, you know, the hurricane's coming up, you know, through the keys right up to, he's like, yeah, we got to, and I was like, but it's, it's a hurricane and it's a category five hurricane. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, we're going to go into intercoastal. And I was like, okay. Again, I don't know why uh, I said it, but I said I, I would do it. And um, I was like, man, this is going to take all day. I still had some preparations to do at my house. I uh, got everything buttoned up. And so the next morning was the day the hurricane was coming up. And we decided to leave. We go get the boat. And the, where the boat was docked, there was the, the house. You could see the beach from it. And the backyard was the intercoastal. And Chris and I are standing out in the back of the house looking at the ocean. And we're like, it doesn't look too bad. So we had the great idea to go into the ocean because we could floor it as far as we could down to Miami, get as far as we could before things got too rough, and then, then we'd go back into the intercoastal where it was nice and safe. Um, that was a bad decision. That was a very bad decision because standing up on the beach in the house the waves didn't look that <laughs> rough. It didn't look that bad. Um, and me not being a captain of a boat trusted on my, my captain to, uh, to make the good decision. And we went through the intercoastal, which that's when that video was made. And right when we got in the ocean, we <laughs> realized it was a very, very bad decision. Um, that is a, what size boat is it, 42? 42-foot 42 uh, boat. It's a huge boat, all right? That thing was like a rubber ducky in a, a bathtub compared to what was going on uh, out in the ocean. And it was scary. It was absolutely crazy. The boat was getting tossed and turned, and we couldn't turn back. And it got so serious. Chris's eyes are wide, and he's focused. He's not talking. I'm holding on to stuff. And it was so scary. And, I mean, the waves were over the boat. But the good thing was the waves were coming. We were going into the waves. We were able to go, so it didn't feel too dangerous. But who knows that we're nearing a hurt? Well, hopefully nobody knows because nobody's hopefully done that before. But we're nearing a storm. Things unexpected could happen, right? So we're, we're driving. All of a sudden, I look to the left, and I just see water. And I was like, what is this? The waves are not supposed to be coming from that way. The waves are coming from that way. So in my mind, I was like, Chris, there is a giant wave coming from the left. He said, I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how in times of panic, what you think goes on in your mind really doesn't happen. Um, so throughout that, ah, ah, he, re he looked, and it was a huge wave. It hit the side of the boat, and that 42-foot boat went sideways to where my ear was near the water. One of the reasons I said yes is because I knew Chris is anointed and God has a plan for his life, so I didn't think he would let Chris die. <laughs> what I didn't realize is that I didn't really think that I was as anointed and that he might not let me perish, but um, needless to say, Chris was a great captain. He got us going straight. Um, we were right next to another inlet. We went in the inlet, and through many other trials and tribulations on the trip down there, we actually made it to our destination. Um, but that's going to bring me to what God had put on my heart to share with you guys today. And the message title is, is The Storm. 
all right? And um, this is something that I've been uh, messing around with. It was actually going to be one of our youth messages, but I've, I've just never felt that God had put it on my heart to share it yet. And um, when Pastor Mike said, hey, you know, I think it's a, a great opportunity for you to, to come up and speak, I was like, I know what I'm talking about. And that's what, that's what we're waiting for. That's what God was waiting for. God was waiting for it to hear, for here. So I hope you are as blessed by the message as, as I was writing it. Um, and I hope you get something from it. So what we're going to go through now is, has anybody felt like, now that was a physical storm, all right? That was, that was a hurricane. It was a physical storm. We were in a boat. But has anybody ever felt like they were drowning, like they were being pulled down, like they were, have great pressure, these things in life that happen that we can't control that come in like a hurricane, like a storm. And um, our first uh, segment of what we're going to be talking about is called storm warnings. I, I have the definition of a storm. The Webster's Dictionary definition of a storm is a violent uh, disturbance in the atmosphere, a tumultuous uh, reaction, an uproar, controversy, a sudden attack by means of force. Our text scripture is going to be Matthew 7, 24 through 28 in the New King James. Now I'm going to read it for you and I want you guys to pay attention. If you, if you don't take notes, I don't care, take some notes. Um, that's what I tell you guys, but you really should because this is, I think this is really good stuff. Um, it says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who has built their house in the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and, the, and great was the fall. Now, you guys have probably read that a, a thousand times, right? I did. I think we, we mostly, everybody gets it and understands it. If, we, we, if our foundation is Jesus, when the, the storms come, you know, we'll be able to withstand them. But I want you to take something else out of this. I want you to look. There's only one difference in both of those uh, passage or verses there. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, right, in, in verse 24. And in 26, it says, but whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. There's only two types of people. Whoever hears the gospel and decides to do it, and whoever hears the gospel and does not decide to do it. God is letting us know there's two categories of people here. Those who decide to follow his, his plan and those who do not. You know what's the same? In both of those verses it says, the rain descends, the flood came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Verse 27, the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew on that house. You know what that means? It means whether you're following God's plan that he has for your life, you're in covenant with him, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you have not, guess what? The storms are coming. The storms are coming. And that's not meant to scare anybody or, or to, to make anybody, oh my goodness, because there's three types of people. You're either in a storm, you're either coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go in a storm. And some of you right now are like, oh, man, everything's been good. I don't want to go into a storm. I've been that way. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know what his word says, and you understand 
that the storms of life are coming. It doesn't matter when or if the storms come because you're going to be ready. We're going to also read Matthew 8, 23, verse 27. It says, Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with the disciples. Actually, you know what? I'm going to, can we go to Mark? Mark 4, 35 through 41. Same description, but it's, I like this one better. Same, same story. That day when evening came, the disciples, he said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving that crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. A furious squall, Hurricane Matthew, uh, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping. I wish I could have slept through that whole boat ride. Uh, the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, quiet be still, and then the wind died down. It was completely calm, and he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. Then they were terrified. First they were afraid, then they were terrified, and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I, I love this because this, this verse has been used so many times. But the one thing, again, I want you to recognize, these were the disciples. This, this was Jesus' crew. These are people who he hung with, who left their worldly lives, gave their heart to him for the cause of the ministry, to spread the gospel across the world. And they, were, they, they did what Jesus wanted to do. He said, hey, let's get in this boat. They're like, all right. Let's get in this boat. They were doing what, what God had wanted them to do. And what happened? The storms came. A fierce storm. Not only that, they were with Jesus. They had Jesus with You figure if you were with Jesus, nothing would happen, right? Have you read the Bible? <laughs> do you know what happened to the, the disciples and anybody who was out there? It wasn't easy. I've talked to people and the reason I want to go over this is because I've talked to friends of mine or I've talked to people and they said, I gave my heart to Christ and it didn't get easier. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's unfortunately not how it goes. We still live in a broken world and there is still a real enemy who is out there fighting against us. And when we give our hearts to Jesus, the last thing he's going to do is be like, oh, got another one. All right. I'm just going to, no. He's tenacious. He won't stop. It almost seems like the harder that you pursue God, the more storms will come in your life. And what happens and what the enemy wants so often is that people give up. I've wanted to give up. When I decided, when Pastor Mike was like, yeah, I think you're called to ministry. I was like, I think you're drinking or something. I, don't, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm that guy. But when I decided, all right, maybe I am that guy and I started to do the thing, the storms came. The company I worked for, the job I had was awful. I was miserable. Rachel came home several times, and I'm just at the house. <laughs> She's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I hate what I do. I was working all day, every day, all night. I was miserable. I didn't see. I, I didn't have my eyes on God. I couldn't see the big picture. I was in the storm. But you have to understand, that's, the, the, that's what the enemy wants while you're in the storm. He wants you to take your eyes off the horizon. He wants, to take, he wants you to take your eyes off where you're going and focus on what's going on around you. The other thing in that verse that it says, you know, Jesus woke up, 
I could imagine. He was tired. He had been preaching all day. They were going across the lake. He needed to sleep. And it's like they, they were with him for probably over a year. The disciples were hanging out with him probably over a year. And then they didn't realize his power yet. I mean, they, they had seen him do miracles. They had seen what he had done. You know, sick people healed, blind eyes could see. And they still were so worried. I've had people tell me, well, I just wish Jesus was here. Then I would believe. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's what it says. These people were with him, and they still struggled with unbelief. Because of the storms that were going on around them, we are so wired to look at what's going on in the world rather than looking up to our Father who is the solution. Storms do not discriminate. They don't care what color you are, whether you're a man, you're a woman. They don't care how much money you make. They don't care you know, what you're doing for the ministry, what you're not doing for the ministry. The storms will come. The storms can make you stop caring. The storms can get you off focus and make you focused on something else. The storms have had people leave the church. Not allowed God to use them for what he intended them to be used for. Because they got stuck in a storm and focused on the wrong thing. Philippians 4, 12 through 13 says, I know, I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound, and in, any, in every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You've got to believe it's true. Too many of us struggle with believing that that's true for our life. Has anybody ever experienced that it's easier to have faith for somebody else's storm than your own? You're like, oh, girl, you got this. You can do, you can do all things through strength, Christ who strengthens you. You've got this. You can be healed. You can have, don't worry about your finances. God's got you. Two weeks later, you're like, I'm broken. I don't feel good. But you, but, but you just had strength for somebody else. Oh, but that was them. We're all God's children. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. If we've accepted Jesus, we need to see ourselves not as somebody who's a sinner, somebody who's less than, somebody who's not deserving. We need to see ourselves how Christ sees us. It's in the, through the eyes of Jesus that we are. But my shirt, that's our youth shirt, by the way. It says, royal blood flows through my veins. That's who we need to identify with. There are people identifying with everything nowadays. Trees, I identify with a tree, a garden hose. People want to be a garden hose. Can I get my driver's license to be a garden hose instead of male or female? We need to identify with Jesus. That's who we need to identify with. Now, Floridians, we're really good. We've got a lot of practice on storm preparation, right? Um, man, time goes fast when you're up here. Uh, we, we get really good on storm preparation, right? So there was lists of things in, in regards to storm preparation uh, list of three things that you need to do, six things you need to do, seven steps, 50 items and steps that you need to do for storm preparation. We have, I searched it, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, nine pages of hurricane preparation lists sponsored by Allstate, State Farm, all these companies. We're really good at prepping for physical storms, but as a church and as people go, why don't we prep for the storms in our spiritual lives? Why don't we? Oh, 
Well, God's got that. He does, but he wants to get it through you. We need to be prepared because it's going to happen. So we need to be prepared when these storms of life come. So how do we prepare? You know, it's funny. I'm going to say this one real quick because I thought it was really funny. I'm really working on my time here. But there was a friend of mine who, uh, during one of those hurricanes, I had just started calling people, and I said, are you, are you ready? Are you ready for the storm? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Because it was late. He's like, I went out today. I was like, you went out today? That was the day we went on the boat. I was driving back from the Keys. And I, he's like, yeah, yeah, I went out today. I was like, what was left? He goes, well, I, I just need, you know, I got a case of rum. <laughs> That's what he started with. I was like, you got a case of rum? He's like, yeah, I got some canned food in there. I could, you know. But that was his preparation. But it's funny, but so many of our preparation for the storms of life is just like that. Oh, Pastor Mike will pray for me. Yeah, he will. We have a prayer team. Pastor Mike will pray. I'll pray. Pastor Rachel, Pastor Don. We will. As a youth group, we'll pray for you. But do some of the lifting yourself. Be ready to go to God in, with an expectation that he's going to answer your prayer. We don't have enough preparation, church. We don't. We want everybody else to do the work for us because that's how society has been. We need to do the work on our own. So how do you pray? Or how do you pray? That's my first one. How do you prepare? You pray. You pray a lot. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace which guards your heart and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Who wants that peace? Who wants that peace? I want it. But we have to pray all the time. Yes, all the time about everything. Yes, it says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Well, what if, you know, what if I need to decide where to go to, to eat? Pray about it. It says pray about everything. Do you want to make your own idea or do you want to follow what God's word says? We should be praying about everything. My stepfather told me uh, a while ago that he used to pray about jobs on where to find where rodents were coming or where to, and I was like, that's so silly. Until I started needing, I was like, so I started praying about it. And Elijah will testify, we go out, we pray about a job, and then something that would have took me hours, God will lead me straight to it, will lead us straight to it. Because I have faith that when I pray, I have an expectation that he will answer my prayer because I've given him my heart, I've given him my mind, and I expect him to show up in the little things as much as I expect him to show up in the big things. Right, church? But we have to do it. We need to do it. What else should we do? We should worship. On Sunday, yeah, we got worship teams up here on fire on Sunday. We need to, yes, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know when you should worship? Any day that ends in a Y. If for some of you were like, well, Monday, Tuesday, it, it's every day. It's every day for those of you who didn't get it quick like that. We should worship every day. Do you know what? Worship is going to God and glorifying him, putting him above the situations that we have here, putting those down, putting him up, thanking him for what he's done for us already, remembering what he's got us through and remembering what he's going to bring us through in the future. That's what worship is. It's thanking him, putting him in his rightful place in our life. It's for us, but it's also to glorify him. We need to worship. What's the other thing we should do? Number three, it's study God's word. When I say that in youth, they're like, no. Yeah. We need to study God's word. 
Why? Because the keys, the answers for life's problem are in God's word. They're in his word. There's so many times these young people and adults, they come up to me, well, what do you think? I was like, well, what do you think God says about it? You, we live in a day and age, there is more technology in this phone than there was that sent the first spaceship into outer space. You can search anything. And I don't mind when people come up and ask me things, but I'm like, well, what did the word say? You can search it. What are you talking about? Well, what about in, in, uh, in Matthew 4, 1 through 11? I'm not going to read the whole thing because I want to get through, <laughs> I want to get through everything I have to say. But it's, it's the temptation of Jesus, right? And the, the enemy would come up and he would say, tempt Jesus with something. And then Jesus, but the scriptures say. Now, I am going to read this one part. It says, uh, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say. People don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then it says, then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and he will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You know who knows scripture? The enemy. You know why you need to know scripture? Because the enemy knows scripture. Because then Jesus said, Jesus responded. The scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. The enemy will manipulate anything he can to get you off track. And that's manipulating you to misunderstand what the scripture says, to justify something in yourself, to make you feel okay with not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But that's not God's best for you. That's why we need to know scripture. That's why we have to study the word of God. I got to a point in my life one time I had read, I don't read books. I'm not a reader of words, as Ryan would say. I don't, I don't read a lot of books, um, but I read the, the Bible several times, and I got through. I might have been at the fourth time I had read through the New Testament, and I actually had this point in my life. This might sound stupid. Coming from a pastor, I was like, I don't need to read that anymore. Yeah, I know. I see some of your faces. And then like two days later, I'm like, what? Of course, because it's alive and it's new and it's different every time I need it. And God has a word for me every day when I open up that scripture and I read it. God's got something new in the same scripture that I've read a thousand times. It will come to life and manifest as something new in my life that's different and give me a different way that I've seen it before. But I have to put the work in. I have to open the book and read it. We got to do it. Well, you don't understand the storms I'm going through in my life. You're right. I don't. I've got my own storms to worry about. But you don't, you don't understand. I've been feeling sick. I have a family member who's sick. I just lost somebody I love. I've been hurt. I've been embarrassed. I don't know what I'm going to do to make it through to, to the next pay. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know how I'm going to get a place to stay. I don't know what I'm going to do. When you're in sorrow, read John 14. When, you, when people fail you, read Psalm 27. When you have sinned, read Psalm 51. When you're worried, read Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Are you taking this down? When you're in danger, read Psalm 91. When you feel let down, down and out, read Romans 8:31. But, but you don't understand my situation my mother, my father, they, we don't get along. I'm, I'm out of my house. Oh, when you're depressed, read Psalm 27. When you're losing confidence in people, read 1 Corinthians 13. I don't think you're getting this. 
The word has a solution to everything that you're dealing with in your inner sanctuary. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you have a body. The battle is won or lost in your inner sanctuary where your spirit is trying to, to fight with your flesh, with your, your, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. That's where the battle's won. When the storms of life come, the battle isn't out here in the world. It's a spiritual battle, and it's won inside here. But you don't understand. I don't really understand Christianity. Read 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 19. I don't know, but I can't, I'm not happy. Read Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Anger, Ephesians 4, 26. Ancients, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Attack, Psalms 27. If you've backslid, who's backslid? Yeah, none of you. Yeah, I'm not putting my hand up in church for that. Y'all just backslid because y'all a bunch of liars. <laughs> Pastor Eric called us liars in church. Everybody has. Everybody has. I don't have any courage. Read Joshua. Dismayed, discouraged, discontent, faithless, fearful, frustrated, God-forsaken, grieving, pain, inadequate, insecure, lost, overbearing, repent, sad, self-improving, stressed, suffering, anxious, tempted. I just hit on everybody's, yep, 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 I see some of you going like this. Everybody deals with it. And the answers are in God's word. That's why he put them there. All we have to do is go see what he says about it. That's all. When you get to the point, man, when you get to the point, I call it, it's, it's, I call it the glory movement. It says that if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're glorified. Your spirit is new. It's reborn, right? It's different. Just because your spirit has changed doesn't mean the world changes around you. We did a, a series called Glory to Glory, and it's fighting the world, fighting the enemy from a standpoint of victory. You're glorified. When God sees you, he sees you, his son, in you. You're coming from a place of victory. You've, you're coming from a, a position of glory. And it says in the Bible that we should move from glory to glory. Did I give that verse to you, Nick? Uh, yeah. 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18, it says, So all of us who has had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. We are constantly growing and developing. It's called spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. As we grow and develop, we go from this position of glory to glory to glory to glory. But no, as you're growing, if you've accepted Jesus in your heart, then you're already from a place of victory. You're coming from a standpoint of having the battle won, but too many Christians don't fight the battle like that. And let me tell you what, when you're in a storm, you know who's going to look at you? People who don't believe. They will ignore every day you go to church. They will ignore. But when you're in a storm, when somebody that, that you love is sick, when you're fighting a financial battle, when, when, when you're hurt, when you're depressed and you're anxious and you can't overcome that, they are going to look at you and scrutinize what you do because they're, oh, well, they believe. Let's see what God does with them. Let's see. We have to, as Christians, as a church, we have to set the example to let people know there are people out there who are lost, who are sick, 
who are scared, who are afraid, who don't know what we know, who don't have what we have. They are desperately seeking to find something that they can hold on to because God has hardwired in their heart a connection to him, but they don't know where to look for it because the world has them turning away. We need to be that example. We had a saying, man, and I, I, they thought it was great when we were in youth, and I thought it was, we were going to make a shirt out of it, but God put it on my heart. We said that the transformation is easy. When you give your heart to Christ, you are a new creation. That is a transformation. That's easy. It's so easy, people have a hard time believing it's real. But it is. That's the easy part. God created it that way so anybody can do it. But what did we say? The transition is hard. Because just because you've given your heart to God and you are transformed and you're a new creation doesn't mean the transition from where you are now to where God is going to bring you is going to be easy. It's not. The enemy is going to fight you tooth and nail every step of the way. The transition is easy, or the transformation is easy. The transition is difficult. It's hard. And we have to realize that. If it was easy, it wouldn't be worth doing it. Once we give our heart to Christ, we have to fight for what's ours. Choosing Jesus is not easy, especially in the world today. In the 50s, 60s, in America, yeah, it was easy. We don't even know real persecution for our faith. There are people who are killed for saying that they are Christians. We think because a group of people doesn't like us because we're Christians. That's tough. It's not tough. We need to stand up and be a light in the darkness. We need to let people know in this broken world that there is hope and his name is Jesus. We have the power of choice, church. I'm getting ready to close, Nick, I promise. We have the power of choice. Choice, I think, is one of the most significant things that God has given us. He didn't want robots. He wanted a relationship with us. We make over 30,000 choices a day. That's about 2,000 choices an hour. And every choice that you make will either bring you towards God or away from God. It's not one dramatic thing that's going to happen in your life that's going to turn you away from God. It's going to be a series of little things that the enemy is going to use to get you focused, get your eyes off God. Our choices, church, are so important. It takes courage to choose to love Jesus. It takes courage every day to do the right thing, what God will want you to do. It takes courage and strength and fortitude every day to keep your eyes focused on him and not on the world. It's not going to be easy. But if there's a group of people out there that can do it, it's you. I'm going to close with this. I was, uh, ooh, I don't need that anymore, I guess. When I was in, um, I hate the gym. I don't mind lifting weights, but I hate cardio with a passion. I used to play basketball um, and, and soccer and stuff like that for my cardio. Um, I can't do that right now. I'm not saying I won't be able to do it, but just right now I can't. So I've been on the Stairmaster machine, um, or I like to call the hamster wheel of death. Has anybody already seen that? It's just like a stair that never ends. Um, and so I was on that, and, and typically I don't want anything to do with anybody. I put my earbuds in, and I close my eyes. I've gone so far because it's so funny, like when I'm on it and I close my eyes, people will try to talk to me, even though I have my earbuds in. One time I was on there, and there were, I just heard, I had my, my music going, or I was listening to a message, and I hear, ah, 
and I'm like, I'm, I'm drip. If you don't know me, I sweat. I'm dripping sweat. And I open my eyes, and there's a guy in front of me going, and I take my ear, I was like, yeah? And he's like, you're doing a great job. I'm like, thanks, because I have to remember that I'm, I'm, sometimes that I'm a pastor, and I'm just like thinking in my head, what is your issue? Why would you? And then it makes me look at the time on the treadmill thing, and it feels like you've been on there for 40 minutes, and I'm like, it's been seven minutes. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but if it was like that when I was doing my message, it'd be great. But one day, I was on there, and actually, it was almost two weeks. I was on there, and I'd be thinking about something completely different or listening to a message, and there was something that came into my mind, and I'm still learning how God speaks to me. And uh, I don't hear an audible voice, but I do have conversations. If you're inside here, it's a very scary place. I'd recommend that you never go there. Um, I feel very sorry for Pastor Rachel. But uh, inside my head, I will have conversations with God, like I'm talking to somebody. Now, I don't hear anything, but I, like, I know his answer. It's weird. It's hard to explain. It sounds weirder when I say it out loud, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. But um, I'm, I'm, wor- I'm on the treadmill. I'm working. I was thinking about, I was listening to a message. I was thinking about something else, and it started, and this vision popped in my head. Can you show that picture? And uh, Jenny, our very artistic, wonderful, very talented young lady right over there, uh, she created this for me. I told her what I saw, and this is what I saw, and it was actually months and months and months and months ago, maybe January, February-ish, and I had started putting some notes down about this, and it was like maybe three or four weeks later, this vision popped in my head for like two weeks, two weeks, and um, if you can't see, it's a little, it's a guy, storm's gone on around him, that's what I vision, and I'm that guy, and I'm looking at the storm, and, and I'm like, man, I got to get my eyes off the storm. I got to get my eyes off the storm. And I'm like, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? I got weeks and weeks and weeks were going by. And I, at the time, and even still now, I'm dealing with some, some injuries, some pain that I have to deal with. And I'm praying and I believe in healing. And I believe with all my heart that I am healed and whole in the name of Jesus. But these symptoms were still coming around. My knees still hurt. My shoulders still hurt. My thumbs still hurt. I couldn't sleep. I'm getting headaches. And, and, and I believe I'm healed, and I believe in the word, and I believe what God, God says. And when I'm on the treadmill, or even sometimes when I'm driving, this would pop in my head and pop in my head, and it would have been two weeks. And it popped in my head at the gym. And I got frustrated with God. Has anybody been there? No, I wouldn't say. But I, I was frustrated with God. I was like, what? 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 Yes, I get it. I'm surrounded by the clouds and the lightning and the wind and the rain. I get it. I'm scared. I don't feel like I'm going to get healed. I don't feel like I'm going to get better. But I believe what you said. I believe what your word says. I believe I have people praying for. I get it. I feel small. I feel insignificant. I feel like I'm drowning. And then I really felt God say to me, you're not getting it. And I was like, you're right. Help me understand. Help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. You can believe in God and still have doubt when life gets scary. You can. It's our flesh. It's part of being human. But I was so frustrated. I don't understand what this means. And then, then it's like I just my mind went blank. I was going and going and going, nothing. I'm like, are you still there? Hey, we're having a conversation. I was like, all right, whatever. Put some music on. My earphones went out. 
Music stopped playing. I'm a sweaty mess. I've been on this thing. I need something to get me through that treadmill. I look. I got eight minutes left. And I'm like, I got to do it. No earphones. Full battery. I can see it on my thing. Full battery. I'm trying to get them to work as I'm doing it. My phone's soaking wet with sweat now. I'm dripping. I drop my towel. I drop my phone. I'm frustrated. I took my earbuds off, threw them, and I'm just walking. And I promise you, I heard God saying as a whisper, you are the storm. I was like, what? Got louder. You are the storm. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I didn't create you just to get through the storm. I created you to be the storm. He told me that I'm not that little shadow guy. He told me I am the storm. That little shadow guy is the enemy. When we have our perspective proper, when we have our mind right, we will realize that God did not create us to just weather the storm, just to get through it, just to get by. We are more than conquerors. We have royal blood flowing through our veins. We should wake up every day realizing and knowing that we are the storm. And the enemy should be scared, scared to death that Eric woke up again today and he is about to go kick some devil demon butt in the world and bring people to Jesus Christ. And that's how we all should look. And that's how we should all feel. We are the storm, but we have to choose to be the storm. God loves you guys. And there are people in here that needed to hear that. There are people in here that needed to have that same revelation that I had. That whatever you're constantly struggling with, whatever storm keeps showing up in your life, you are more than a conqueror. But we need to grow. You got to put the work in. You got to praise. You got you to worship. You got to pray. You got to read your Bible. And no matter how you feel, no matter what other people tell you, you have to believe what God's word says about you in your life. And that will get you through the storms of life. And you have to realize that you are the storm. So what I want to do, I'm going to close. I never want to end a service. We never want to end a service without giving somebody the opportunity. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, that you can fight these battles in this world from a place of victory. And it's simple. We're going to pray in a moment, and we're going to give you the opportunity to give God your heart. I'm not going to call you up front and have you share your, your life story in front of anybody, but I am going to ask you to make a decision that will change your life forever. So I'd like everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for this word. And we come to you, Father, with open hearts, open minds, and with gratitude. Father, I don't know the heart of every man and woman in this house, or people online, but if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you don't have that personal relationship with him, if you doubt it, but you want to today, if you want to become the storm, would you raise your hand? So we're going to say this together for everybody that's online because everybody in here is saved that wants to be, but we don't know everybody's heart online. So we're going to say this as a family. Father, thank you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart 
that you died for me. Amen. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. You want me to do the ties and offerings? Yeah. Really? Thank you guys so much. I love you guys. I'll be in the back. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.